Welcome to the Locum Strategist Podcast. I am your host, Simon Parsons, and I thank you so much for joining me here today. My goal is to help educate you about locums so that you can use this as a possible way to get a better work-life balance, to take control of your skill set, to make the money that you want to make while also giving you the flexibility and the freedom to live life on your own terms. On this episode, I wanted to talk about what is involved with getting you credentialed with a locums agency as well as a hospital. The reason why is because sometimes if you are not aware of what is required, you might be inclined to step away from your practice and take some time off, which you totally deserve. Now, the problem is that sometimes people aren't aware of what's involved when it comes to credentialing. So I wanted to shed some light on that because I've, I've had a couple of very uncomfortable conversations over the last week letting people know about the difficulties that come from credentialing if you're away from uh, practice too long. And that could be either having too long of a gap or not having enough clinical activity to allow you to get credentialed with either the hospital or the locums agency or both. Now, when it comes to locum tenens work, typically the uh, agency that's credentialing you for, for locums work, they want to cover your malpractice. And the way the lens that they look at it through is they want to make sure that they are sending surgeons, out, not surgeons, but physicians out on assignments and they've done their due diligence. They've looked into their background. They've looked into their malpractice. They've gotten references. They've checked their clinical activity because if there's a chance that they're sending out somebody on an assignment that is not qualified to do that assignment, that could pose a big risk for liability with not just the locums agency, but also with the physician and with the facility that that person is going to. Now, the other thing is the hospital too. They want to make sure that they're having quality physicians work at that, that facility. So they're going to also have a credentialing criteria that needs to be met. And every hospital is a little bit different. And I'm sure locums agencies have some differences as far as their credentialing practices. But overall, I wanted to give you some insights because if you decide that you want to step away from your practice for you know, three months or six months, it's good to be aware of what you need to have as far as clinical activity to get back in the game. And like I said, this isn't just for locums work. This could affect your career as a whole. And I hate to say this, but I've had some conversations with people who weren't aware of this. Maybe it was the locums agency that didn't educate them and they got this person uh, doing locums work, but didn't give them enough work or didn't educate them on how much they need to stay active. And then the next time that per, that next credentialing cycle, you know, for example, a lot of locums agencies will credential you for a two year period. And you may be coming out of a practice and have a lot of activity. So it's no problem getting you credentialed. But if you're only working weekends and you're not at a very busy place, what can happen is if you're not aware of that, the next time you go through credentialing, you're not, you might not have enough counts to get through a second time. And then that will hold you back even further. And let's say if you wanted to take a permanent position, that also will come into play and you might not have enough clinical activity to get back in the game, period. So I feel like it's very important for me to help educate people on what is involved when it comes to credentialing to do locums work. And like I said, there's going to be some crossover as well if you decide to go back into practice. Another example where this could happen is somebody simply decides to take a big, long sabbatical and they go a year without practicing medicine and are not even aware of what it takes to get credentialed for either locums or a permanent position. 
and they simply have let too much time go by without even realizing it. And then they come to the shocking realization that that was part of getting back in the game. So again, my purpose, the whole reason why I wanted to talk about this on this episode is one, so that you're aware of what's involved when it comes to credentialing, but two, I'm hoping to prevent some very uncomfortable situations for people who might not know what they're getting into when they decide to hang it up as far as a permanent position, but still want to keep practicing medicine. Okay, next up, I'm gonna share with you the four different areas that I want you to be aware of when it comes to getting you credentialed for locums to work in a hospital. So the first one is references. Typically, they will ask you to provide three references, and these will be used both for the locums agency as well as the place that you are gonna be practicing. So that means that out of your three references, they're gonna be doing two different reference forms, one for the hospital or the clinic, and one for the locums entity. So you're gonna to wanna to make sure that you talk with your references first. I would definitely ask them for, for permission before you uh, give anybody their names. You wanna make sure that they're okay. And the way that I would frame that is just let them know, hey, I'm starting to do locums, and part of that process is they're gonna be asking for a reference. Would you mind helping me out? It would just take about 10 minutes of your time and just tell them what's involved with that, right? If you let them know how long it's gonna take, 10 minutes, 15 minutes max for a reference for you to do locums work, and then also one form from the hospital, they're most likely gonna say yes, they're happy to help you. Another good reason why you wanna ask them is you kinda of wanna do a pulse check. I've seen this before where people have been prevented from doing uh, work or getting credentialed because they didn't properly check with their references, and maybe that person has a bad opinion of them. So there's two reasons why you'd wanna check first before you put their names down on the application is one, you wanna make sure that they know what's coming down the pipeline. You're just basically setting expectations. Another thing that I would say too is, hey, thank you so much for being willing to help me. Let me know if I can ever serve as a reference for you as well. So basically set the expectation that it's gonna be about a 10 minute commitment for them to help you out and they're gonna get two different forms unless you're using you know, more than three references, but one from the hospital and one from the locums agency. If you break it down for them, then it sounds a lot more digestible and they're willing to help you out. The second reason is you just wanna make sure that you've checked with them and that they're not gonna leave you a bad reference, right? You're asking for permission and you're doing kind of a pulse check on that. And you can even straight up ask them, would you be willing to leave me a positive reference on uh, on my journey to do locums. So those are some suggestions that I would definitely uh, consider if you're gonna be doing locums. Okay, that's the first area is references. The second area that gets considered when it comes to your uh, getting you credential for locums is your history, your malpractice history uh, to be more specific. What they'll be looking for is how many cases have you had? What amounts of payouts have you had when it comes to malpractice? And this is where it can be very subjective. So what they're really looking for is patterns. So it's not that big of a deal from a credentialing perspective to have multiple malpractice cases or even large payouts. What they're looking for is patterns of negligence. So if you have three malpractice payouts and they're all around the same type of procedure, that's gonna be a huge red flag. Now, I've been able to credential people with you know, a decent amount of malpractice. And so the takeaway that I want to leave you here with is malpractice isn't that big of a, a hurdle when it comes to 
uh, getting you credentialed, they're looking for patterns, but it may still be a headwind when it comes to actually getting you confirmed for a job. Typically, when uh, a locums agency or excuse me, a hospital's, they have a job search out and there's 10 people that are presented to that job, malpractice will influence who gets that job. The less, the better. But from a credentialing standpoint, it isn't that big of a deal unless they see patterns that emerge where somebody is making the same mistake over and over again. They're also going to look at your NPDB report. They're going to be looking out for suspensions, for probations, for board actions. And they're uh, more specifically, they're going to want to make sure that any of those types of issues have been closed out. So if you have any type of an open investigation, that's going to be a huge red flag. If you resign under investigation, that's going to be a huge red flag as well. Now, those things, uh, the best way to approach those is to be completely transparent. It's always going to be worse if you don't disclose something. So I would suggest talking with your recruiter and coming up with a strategy. There's ways to provide context around any of those issues, especially if you work with a good recruiter. They're going to be able to frame that in the right way. But if you avoid it, it's going to come up and that's going to be much worse and it's going to be after you've put in a lot of work into getting that assignment going and then they find something and since you didn't mention it they'll pull you out of that assignment and it causes a lot more problems so it's always good to be upfront with that and talk with your recruiter and find a really good way to provide context and details around that and to frame that in the correct way if it's if there's some type of an open investigation you probably won't be able to get uh, locums work at least with more the more reputable companies, until that issue has been closed out. And what they typically look for is some time. Since that happened, they would want to see that you've had another position and that you've done well before they'll get, sign off on your credentialing. Okay, the next thing they're going to be looking for is clinical activity. They're going to be looking about at how many cases you have done or how many counts or procedures, how clinically active you've been. Now, to keep in uh, keep this in mind i work with surgical specialties so the way that they quantify that is the number of counts or procedures and that is different depending on what specialty you are in now there's some specialties out there where they don't <laughs> do procedures so to speak and so i don't know exactly what's involved as far as credentialing from a clinical standpoint so you are going to want to talk with your recruiter and make sure they are very clear about what is involved when it comes to clinical activity or case logs or procedures, okay? So that's the third component. And then the fourth thing that, that they will look at is time gaps. So it's okay to step away for a while. I wish I could say that you could just <laughs> take off for a year and go travel the world, but that might not be a good idea. For me, as far as my specialty, I would say six months is about the most you're gonna, gonna wanna take away. And if you do something like that, you're gonna wanna have a solid pra uh, strategy for getting back into work or getting those cases up again. If you have a very high clinical activity when you're leaving, that's gonna be a good thing. If you're light on counts and then you step away, what's gonna happen is a lot of these hospitals are gonna look at clinical activity as being how active you've been in the last two years. And unfortunately, even if you've done 10,000 cases over your career, if you step away long enough, what's gonna happen is those cases are not going to be relevant because they're going to fall outside of that 24-month time frame that most credentialing entities are looking at. They want to see how active that you've been, not just in the last 24 months, but more specifically, how active you've been in the last year. So if you're taking some time off, make sure you have a plan 
a strategy to get back in. If you wanna take some time off, like six months, and you have a permanent position, it might be good to do that before you leave that position. Because if you take six months off and then decide that you wanna do locums, what's gonna happen is you're basically starting from scratch, you're starting from a standstill, and then you still have to find a position, get credentialed, and then actually get in there and work, and that could be a long time. If it's six months, but you still need to find a locums position after that, could be an eight month, a 10 month, even a year before you get back in. So you're gonna wanna plan and strategize that before you take a long leave of absence and just make sure that you're able to get back in and be active once you are back from your sabbatical. All right, my friends, I hope I've given you some clarity around what it takes to get credentialing. A quick summary is they're gonna be looking for references. You're gonna want three peer references that have worked with you in the last 24 months that can attest to your skills. They'll also ask about things like your ability to, um, your bedside manner, so to speak, your, your social abilities. So it's not all clinical as well. They're gonna be asking if you get along well with others, if you've got a good bedside manner. So make sure that you check with your references first and uh, get their approval, get their them to say that it's okay to use them as a reference before you put them down on any form. The second thing, and this is something that you can't really change, is your malpractice or any issues that you've had, any NPD reports. But what you can do is you can be transparent about that and work with a good excuse me, a good recruiter who can give context and frame that the right way. The third thing is your clinical activity. They're gonna be looking at how active you are in the last 12 and 24 months with the most recent 12 months being more relevant. And then the last thing is time gaps. Make sure that you don't have a gap that goes too long. Six months is where it starts to get a little bit concerning. It's not a problem if you have something lined up after that six months, but if you're planning on taking six months and then starting a search from scratch, it could be a lot longer than that, and that could provide an extra headwind as far as getting you credentialed. All right, my friends, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Please uh, go to the show notes if you'd like to leave me a message, or if you're a trauma, vascular, or general surgeon, I welcome you to book a call with me. I'm happy to hop on the phone and talk strategy with you. I'll leave a link in there as well for that. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next episode.